It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. And good Thursday morning, everyone. Uh, Sandy is taking a well-deserved break, so I'll be sitting in for her for the next couple of days. It's a pleasure to do so, of course. Uh, I wish I had been in Florida last night. Uh, Fox News was holding a Patriots Award last night. About 5,000 people there. Uh, it was quite an evening. Uh, and they had a surprise visitor in the midst of the evening, uh, the governor of that state, uh, Ron DeSantis, who is very quickly, as I know you're aware, uh, becoming a real hero, a star, a much-talked-about 2024 possible top-of-the-ticket uh, for the Republican Party. Uh, but uh, he kind of wasted no time last night in his short address to that gathering of about 5,000 people, as I said, basically saying, you know, <laughs> Florida's becoming a very popular place to live. Uh, and it's, uh, he says leading the nation when it comes to fighting for our freedoms. Here's a little bit of his speech last night. Cut one. It's an honor for me as governor to be able to welcome the Fox Nation Patriot Awards to the freest state in these United States. I saw the Fox talent being uh, recognized, and rightfully so. Half of them have places in Florida. Maybe they should just move Fox News to Florida. We worked very hard over the last year and a half standing up to bureaucrats, standing up to corporate media to keep Florida open. We protected people's right to earn a living and businesses' right to be open, kids' right to be in school. We were not going to let Florida descend into a Faucian dystopia where people's freedoms were curtailed and their livelihoods were destroyed. We choose freedom over Fauciism. Well, you can see why that crowd loved that. A Faucian, Faucian dystopia? Is that what he said? He had no script. That was just purely off his head last night. But uh, you do get the feeling that maybe there is something to the rumors uh, that he might be interested in being at the top of the ticket at twenty in 2024. You know, he made that speech last night just hours after Florida Republicans approved a, a sweeping bill in that state to basically put a stop to vaccine mandates. Um, uh, Senator Danny Burgess, the Republican there, this is what he had to say about it. He says, if you want to get a vaccine, you can get a vaccine. If you don't want to get a vaccine, you can choose not to get a vaccine. That's the entire purpose of this bill, trusting Floridians and allowing us to make that choice for ourselves. And uh, this is this is a bill that was passed. Basically, it is aimed at uh, telling businesses that you can't do what Joe Biden would like to do to 
thousands, millions of Americans, millions of Americans really, uh, with his uh, attempt by forcing companies, entities with 100 more employees, forcing people to get a, a vaccination. Uh, so that is the latest. That bill has now become law in Florida. Uh, Democrats, most of them fought it there, uh, but Republicans pushing that through last night. It's just one of the reasons why Florida is becoming so popular with so many people. And, uh, of course, the only question is, I, I suppose, uh, a lot of folks who are Donald Trump fans are still hoping he'll be at the top of the ticket in 2024. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but right now, uh, Ron DeSantis would be very interesting. I don't know if anybody's done a poll on this yet. Um, a poll just saying, you know, between DeSantis and Trump and maybe a few others, how that would all work out right now. I think Donald Trump is still very popular, don't get me wrong, uh, across the country. Uh, but uh, Ron DeSantis is in a position, I, I, I think, to, as long as things keep going the way they are, we're still a ways from 2024, but if things keep going the way they are, with a very unpopular president of the United States, Joe Biden, and an even more unpopular vice president, Kamala Harris, if they stay on the track that they are, then I think DeSantis' star is going to rise even more. But that was an interesting off-the-cuff speech last night uh, from the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. In the meantime, uh, we have what's going on in Washington, D.C., and uh, things aren't looking good for the Biden administration at all. Yesterday, OSHA uh, announced formally uh, that it is stopping work on Biden's vaccine mandate. This, of course, and, and honestly, they really didn't have a choice in this, uh, but this comes as a result of last week's second decision from the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals that said the Biden administration could not move forward with that vaccine mandate, uh, as I say, involving entities, companies that have 100 or more employees. Now, you remember the the initial reaction from the Biden administration to the first Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals decision, uh, putting a stop to it. Uh, the Biden administration says, we don't care what the Fifth Circuit said, but we're just going to keep working on this. But yesterday, OSHA, uh, who has been tasked with implementing this, uh, said they are putting a stop to it. In addition to that, yesterday it was announced that the Sixth Circuit has won the lottery. That's the phrase that's used, has won the lottery to bring all of these cases, all of these legal lawsuits uh, against the Biden administration on this vaccine mandate. And there are uh, at least 12 on the medical health side of things for medical workers and then a bunch of others, including the American Family Association, uh, on the other side. So that is not, we expect that these are, are going to be heard by the Sixth Circuit fairly soon, and then eventually it's going to work its way up to the Supreme Court. All right. Uh, something else going on, which is very interesting. Uh, the Biden, uh, President Biden is out now trying to sell his Build Back Better agenda. And it's very interesting. Um, it was kind of put on hold because we've been waiting for the Congressional Budget Office uh, to put a price tag on all of this. Now, according to the Democrats, it's about $1.85 trillion. That's all, just $1.85 But what they're worried about 
very concerned about is that the CBO is actually going to price it much higher. I've heard reports of maybe even three or four trillion dollars because there are programs embedded in that huge bill that would uh, mean these programs likely be continued. And, you know, subsidies for daycare, all of those sorts of things that are embedded in that big package. And so they're worried about the CBO. So something very interesting happened last night. Joe Biden was out uh, selling his the infrastructure law that was passed just a few days ago. He was in Michigan, I think, yesterday. And some reporters talked to um, Andrew Yates, Andrew, uh, pardon me, Andrew Bates, who is a deputy White House spokesman. They talked to him on the plane coming back. I want you to have a listen to what he had to say. And then you'll also hear a response from Florida Congressman Michael Walsh. But basically, the thrust is this. The White House is already trying to discredit the CBO number and telling Americans don't believe it. So let's have a listen to that. Cut number three. CBO does not have experience analyzing revenue amounts gained from cracking down on wealthy tax cheats who are taking advantage of every honest taxpayer. You're talking about 85,000. IRS agents. That's eight divisions Nuts. in the military. Do you really it's think they're just double going, the size? They're going to go after everybody of the IRS. So, but what you're going to see Pelosi do? She's doing it right now. Is tell her moderates, progressives, everybody in her caucus, add in everything that you need to just get the votes, knowing that it's going to fail in the Senate, so she can just flick it. You're going to see Washington's biggest flick. Uh, right over to Schumer. The parliamentarian there is going right. to tear it apart. On immigration. And then the moderates are going to, well, they're going to pull out the amnesty provisions. They've already said the salt provisions right. are dead on arrival. The Hyde Amendment, which are the abortion law pieces, are dead on arrival. So but she just wants to get it off her plate and right. declare success. So when it gets to the Senate, they're going to take a bunch of stuff out, too. What's going to be left? Well, that's right. And then if whatever they change then has to come back to the House. Okay. So 420 for the country, build back stupid, as I'm calling it. <laughs> Uh, is not <laughs> BBS is not uh, in good shape because it, it's just going to be devastating. I like that build back stupid. There was a lot of stuff there. Uh, looking at what Mr. Bates said, the CBO been around for a long, long time, has looked at budgets. That's their job to give an honest assessment, an honest financial assessment of what a bill will cost. Mr. Bates says. They don't have the experience to do that. No, because here's what you've heard. You probably have heard uh, President Biden talking about this, that, you know, his plan has the endorsement of these Ivy League economic professors or whatever the case may be. And so we're going to go with that. We're going to ignore the CBO. So here's strategy part one. You got the White House now publicly saying CBO doesn't have the experience. But I hope you also noted what Congressman Walsh said there as well. What they want, what they want to do in this package is weaponize the IRS to go out and look at your bank account and take as much money as they can from that bank account. But he also addressed something interesting. You know, this is going to pass uh, through the House, this Build Back Better, or as the congressman calls it, Build Back Stupid. Um, kind of like that. It's going to go through the House. The House is going to pass it because uh, all the Democrats are on board. I don't think any Republicans in the House 
unlike what they did with the infrastructure bill, I don't think they're going to um, uh, have any Republicans support it. So it's going to go over to the Senate. But then you have a bunch of objections that are going to come up there. Of course, all eyes are on Senator Manchin and uh, Senator Sinema, uh, because those two Democrats at the moment, particularly Joe Manchin of West Virginia, is still publicly saying uh, this is way too much money the way it stands now. So here's a possible scenario that's, that's working out here, folks. The CBO is supposed to come out with their report on Build Back Better, I believe, before the end of this week. So if they come out and they say, no, 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 not 1.85, if, and, and Joe Manchin's already had problems with 1.85, but if they come out and they say this thing is going to cost taxpayers between three and four trillion, let's say they put that kind of number on it, then you're going to have I am betting dollars to donuts, and I'm not a gambling man, but dollars to donuts that that will seal it for Joe Manchin and that it will not have a support. And we know the way the numbers are in the Senate right now; it's a fifty-fifty split. And so uh, Joe Manchin votes against it. Uh, Build Back Better doesn't go through. So it's going to be an interesting, I, I think, over the next 10 days, uh, we're going to see what happens to Build Back Better. If that fails, then that is, that is kind of the trophy piece of legislation that Joe Biden has put forward. This is what's driven by the far left of the party. If they don't get this, then the progressives will face their electorate. I'm talking about the squad and others next next fall. Then I think they'll be seen as a failure in their camp. So this all looks bad for the Democrats right now. Uh, they have a nation that's very angry with them. You've been looking at the polls just like I have. So what does this mean? What are the Democrats going to do about it? Well, there's kind of a scuttlebutt out there that... Maybe one of the things they have to do is uh, dismiss Vice President Kamala Harris. Is that going to happen? How would it happen? Very, very interesting. We'll get some comments from our Washington expert, Gary Bauer. When we come back, right here on the Thursday edition of Sandy Rios in the Morning, don't you dare go away. Much more ahead. The church is growing big time in Latin America, and here's why. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. If you follow groups like Barna who measure church growth in America, they'll tell you it's somewhat stunted. In fact, it may have even dipped here in America. But it prompts you to look at where is it growing around the world. It's in places like Latin America because people are willing to suffer for the gospel. Let me tell you about a church outside of Caracas, Venezuela. They are rescuing women who are kidnapped and forced into prostitution by the drug cartel. They're serious about this. In fact, one of the members was killed by the cartel. His corpse pulled behind a truck to make an example to other Christians to stay out of the way to the cartel. But I can tell you this church is focused on what they believe God has called them to. And they have led more than a hundred women, former prostitutes to faith in Christ. And these women are needing Bibles because they're non-existent in that part of Venezuela. Please, at $5 a Bible, make your most generous gift by calling 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give at sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. 
Today, we pray for Jack Danielson, Acting Deputy Administrator of the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. His office works to save lives, prevent injuries, and reduce vehicle-related crashes. Philippians 2.4 reminds us of the importance of helping others. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Jack Danielson as he leads the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Again, that's "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Attorney General Merrick Garland told Congress the FBI was not investigating parents who had raised concerns to school boards about critical race theory, transgender issues, but that turned out to be a lie. An FBI whistleblower says agents created a threat tag to track anyone who made statements against school boards or teachers, statements the FBI considered to be menacing. Now, the key question, who is the arbiter of what is and what is not menacing? The Justice Department assigned the investigations to the Counterterrorism Division. In other words, they're treating moms and dads like domestic terrorists. Congressman Jim Jordan is furious. He's demanding answers. First, the FBI spied on the Trump campaign. Then they abused the FISA courts. Now they're targeting parents. The FBI has been completely corrupted by the Obama and Biden administrations, and it must be dismantled, along with any other government agency weaponized against the American people. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. And welcome back to Sandy Rios in the morning. Fred Jackson sitting in for Sandy today. Read something somewhere that earlier this morning... How does this sound to you? Vice President Michelle Obama. Hmm. Well, there's a lot of talk in Washington these days of some kind of circular fire squad going on inside the White House. Uh, You know, the numbers are so bad uh, for President Biden. They're even worse for Vice President Kamala Harris. And so when that kind of thing happens, uh, the party in power starts looking for who to blame and what they have to do to resolve things and, you know, talk about maybe it's time for Kamala Harris uh, to leave. Well, uh, someone who I know goes way beyond rumors and knows what's going on in Washington, D.C., is our good friend Gary Bauer, Campaign for Working Families. Good morning, Gary. Hey, good morning, Fred. Great to be with you. So what do you think? Vice President Michelle Obama, is that on the way? Holy moly. I'm a little <laughs> under the weather this morning, Fred. I, maybe you can tell by my voice, so I'm going to try not to uh, scream and be overly dramatic, as I sometimes am. Uh, I'll go into a coughing jag, but you're making it very hard with me <laughs> with this possibility that the uh, ghost of Obama pass will come back to haunt us again. Uh, 
it would be um it would be a huge move obviously um i i don't know whether michelle obama would take it i think she would it would be almost a guarantee that uh we would essentially have another obama administration and a lot of the problems we're dealing with now under biden actually uh, started under uh, president obama's 8 years in in office but we we do know this fred that uh-huh. uh, the white house is worried the president and the vice president's staffs are at each other's throat. Uh, Kamala Harris is probably one of the only politicians in Washington has, that has a lower approval rating than Joe Biden does. So you could see how he might be sitting there thinking to himself, she's dragging me down. And uh, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, would that resolve the problem, though? I, I'm, I'm Both their numbers are down. So what does that accomplish by... by Austin Kamala Harris. Yeah, you know, it's um it, it could look bold um it, and and it, you know, it would really the reaction would really depend on who he puts in the position after ousting her. Mm. And um you know, one of the surprising things is, you know, he's always been in low esteem by conservatives. Now he's in very low esteem among independents. But amazingly, he's dropping among uh, liberals who believe he's not left-wing enough. <laughs> so perhaps replacing her with somebody else um, could rally the Democrat base back to him and get us back to you know, the narrowly divided country that we've been dealing with for, for uh, over a decade now. You know, Gary, I think you would agree uh, that the problems of the Biden administration go far beyond the personalities of either Biden or Kamala Harris. Uh, I was reading a piece from uh, uh, the Associated Press. The uh, I think Republican governors have been meeting in Phoenix. And, of course, uh, one of the star speakers out there is the incoming Virginia governor, Glenn Youngkin. And be- basically, he told that group yesterday that uh, education wanted for him in Virginia, and he believes it's a winner for them in uh 2022 next year and and beyond i guess he's talking about 24 but you can uh, i guess understand why he is saying that and you live in virginia you lived through the uh, state election there just uh, a few weeks ago and now we're learning more about uh how the uh, justice department of the biden administration despite what the attorney general merrick told a hearing a few weeks ago uh, that, oh, no, we respect the uh, free speech rights of parents who are upset about curricula and other things being taught in Virginia schools. Now we find out, I guess through a freedom of information uh, piece of, of, of document that came out, that he was lying to that Senate, I think it was, Judiciary Committee, and that indeed he ordered a, a, a tracking of parents who are upset about curriculum so, I mean, you've got two things here, the possibility that he perjured himself, but also the revelation that what a lot of people have been speculating about, that this is the administration that wants to shut down any opposition to their agenda, no matter what it takes. Well, that's, that's a great summary, Fred. These are really extraordinarily dangerous times. Uh, you, you, you packed a lot of things into that. Let me respond to some of them. Uh, I think you remember I was under Secretary of Education, the number mm-hmm. two person in that federal department for a number of years during the Reagan administration with uh, Bill Bennett. 
And all the way back then, Fred, uh, I took on the textbook issue and got into big trouble on it. Uh, I mean, I was dragged up before a congressional hearing in the United States Senate because I looked at American textbooks 21 years ago, and they were teaching about the Cold War as if we were neutral about who we wanted to win. I mean, it was unbelievable. So we've had this problem going on underneath our noses for a long time. I hope the victory in Virginia is a step toward correcting it. But it is. this is going to be a long haul. This is going to be a big, long struggle to try to reverse what the left has done in our schools. Now, on the issue itself, um, there's a lot of things here, and they all play into common sense conservatism, educational choice. Parents should be able to choose their schools, teaching reliable standards of right and wrong, teaching our kids American history, not anti-American history, making sure that we catch up with communist China and other countries that mean to do us great harm and are beating us already in the classroom. Uh, and, and then to the, to the uh, uh, point about uh, Merritt Garland, uh, this is uh, really disturbing stuff. Fred, I, I'm convinced that what the left is trying to do is demonize, marginalize, and frighten one half of the country. And look, they're, they're, uh, they're going to get in some trouble on this. There'll be hearings and so forth. But I'm, I keep asking myself the question, all right, have they actually done from their, their standpoint something very smart? How many parents reading about the fact that you could get put on a domestic terrorist list won't go to the next school board meeting? So I just want to say to your listeners that uh, the the proper response to this kind of unconstitutional, over-the-top intimidation and threats is for each one of us to do more than we had planned to do. When, when that woman many years ago asked Ben Franklin, what did you give us, Mr. Franklin? And he replied, a republic if you can keep it. Yeah. We have an obligation to our founders. We have an obligation to our God to do everything we can to not let this country built on freedom under God to slip through our fingers. And that means we cannot let the likes of Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and this disgusting attorney general to intimidate us into crawling under our bed in fear. That would be, in my view, an actual sin if we did that. You know, what I have trouble with all of this, one of the things I have trouble with, Gary, is who in the Democratic Party thinks that what we are seeing from the Biden administration in their first, what, nine months, ten months in office is going to help them win in 22 and in 24, I, I, I mean, I, I'm hearing a number this morning, at least 11 Democrats have announced so far they're not going to run again next year. And uh, the poll numbers are terrible. You've got an administration attacking parents. You've got an economy that's crumbling right in front of us, uh, that it only took nine months for them to destroy what was economy that was cooking along and people were doing well. I'm 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 having trouble seeing if you're a Democrat and you're sitting at a table saying, let's let's continue doing what we're doing because we really think America's behind us. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. It it does seem like a uh, uh, a puzzle, a mystery 
that they, they, they wouldn't get this. But believe it or not, when they lost the race in Virginia, uh, AOC and the Progressive Caucus in Congress attacked their own party uh, for running a Democrat for governor that was too moderate. They they argued that if he would have just gone out more on the sort of socialism, big government, higher tax, uh, and, and emphasize these cultural and value issues more, which they think they're on the right side of history on, uh, he would have won the governor's race. But that because he didn't do that, their base vote stayed home. So, <clears throat> you know, this is what ideologues do. They they you know they're blinded by their ideology. They can't accept the reality when it's biting them right on the ankle. And uh, they are a powerful force in the Democrat Party, and they keep pulling that party further to the left. But I, I do have to you know, remind folks, if they need a reminder, Fred, at the same time, they're pouring millions of people into the country from third world countries. Many of those folks want big government. They want government to take care of them. Many of them are good people. They might be entrepreneurs, but many of them will be dependent on government. When you see a woman cross the border with four or five children, she's not coming here to start a new business. No. She's coming here for free health care and food stamps and all the benefits that the welfare state provides. So, And, of course, right now in the, in the big infrastructure bill, the Build Back Stupid bill, as I call it, uh, they've got an amnesty provision that would allow people that have come in here illegally to have a fast track to citizenship. So I think one of the calculations may be that they think they can get enough people in the country that even if they go further and further left, they will be able to outvote us. So we've got a brutal battle on our hands, and we can't back off. Gary, we only have a few minutes left, but I wanted to ask you about what's going on in Kenosha, Wisconsin right now. I, I have to confess, I thought that jury would be out for a few hours and in this and to deliberate on the Rittenhouse testimony that came up and it, the indication was that even the prosecution's witnesses, their evidence showed that this young man uh, was uh, defending himself against being attacked by these three individuals. But now we're going into day three with this jury. And I'm, I'm just wondering, what is it that perhaps is happening? There's some speculation. There may be some intimidation by protesters outside. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. Uh, you know, they tried to picture uh, Kyle Rittenhouse as a vigilante, that he went to Kenosha to look for bad guys, people he thought were bad guys, and to shoot them. That's not what he did. He went there to help protect businesses. But there are vigilantes. They've been outside the courthouse for the last three days, and they are chanting outside the courthouse within earshot of the jury that if we don't get the verdict we want, we're going to burn this place down. And they mean Kenosha. They mean the courthouse. They mean people's schools and homes and churches. They did it before. And so these vigilantes are yelling, promising, threatening that they will do it again. Meanwhile, a jury is sitting to trying to decide whether to keep Kyle Rittenhouse in jail. This is a very dangerous situation in America, Fred. The rule of law can die if we let fear take us over. I understand the anxiety of the people of Kenosha, but they need to buckle up, put their big boy pants on, 
and tell themselves, I am not going to succumb to fear. If I do that, then I will be held hostage by these vigilante left-wing thugs for the rest of my life. So, again, we're at one of those moments in America where we're, we're being measured uh, about who we really are. You know, one of the most ridiculous things is that this young man is being called a white supremacist. Uh, the people he shot were all white. But somehow they're trying to turn this again into an issue of racism. That, that's all they got, Fred. They, they called the black, wonderful black woman elected lieutenant governor of Virginia, they called her the black face of white racism. They, they, that's what they did to Clarence Thomas. That's what they did to Mr. Eller out in California who ran in that recall election. This is all the left has to smear, to divide us by race, to make civil rights and racial issues worse, not better. Uh, to use the smear tactics. It's all they've got. Their public policy agenda is rejected by the American people. And again, good people must stand up and say, no, no more of this. You can't throw away that horrible slur of somebody being a racist just for political advantage. All right, Gary, always a pleasure to talk to you. What's your website so people can get that terrific end-of-day report you put out each day? Uh, thanks, Fred. It's OurAmericanValues.org. And real quickly, Fred, I'd like to ask your listeners for prayers. We have a little grandson, five weeks old. Uh, he's been hospitalized with this terrible virus. Uh, it's called uh, uh, SRV. He's on oxygen because that's what happens with little babies that get this. And I just uh, would really covet their, your listeners' prayers about uh, him quickly recovering. That's a, a five-year-old grandson of yours? Yes, his name is uh, uh, Charlie. Is five years old or five months? Five months old, I'm sorry. Five, five months, months. Old. So folks, be yes. praying for Charlie. Thank you for bringing that up. We'll do that. Okay, Fred. Thank you. God All bless. Right. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Five-month-old Charlie, folks. Remember that. Be praying for that little, dear little boy. All right. When we come back, I want to hear from you. 888-589-8840. Do the Democrats have anything? Do they have anything that they can go to the polls on next year that you would consider a winner? Everything they seem to touch is, seems to be poison, and there's poisonous in this country in our political dialogue. 888-589-8840 is the number to call. We'll hear from you when we come back. We continue our study of the Ten Commandments this week on Truth For Life. We're learning how we are to honor our parents throughout our lives, not just when we're kids, and we'll consider the sacredness of life and the sanctity of marriage. Listen this week to Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Truth For Life, weekday mornings at 1130 Central on AFR and online at AFR.net. I love this country. Well, can I tell you something? I love the Lord more than I love this country, and I love the body of Christ more than I love this country. So it is because I love you, frankly, I have to tell the truth. There are many that are more concerned with the consequences in our nation than we are about the cause. The Hamilton Quarter. 
weekday afternoons at 5 Central on American Family Radio. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Genesis 3 records for us the cataclysmic rebellion against God in the Garden of Eden. The entire episode, Eve's entertainment of the sensual lies of the talking snake, the deceptive twisting of God's word, all of it transpired with Adam standing right there. Adam was the one to whom God entrusted his word originally. Adam was the one God charged with cultivating and protecting the garden and his wife. Yet he stood there, silent. Men, let us not repeat Adam's sin of present absence. Stand on God's word and defend your gardens. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. After a series of health issues, this mom felt abortion was the only answer. Was still borderline thinking abortion until the little part at the bottom of the ultrasound started moving, and we realized there were two. And I knew then. The ministry of preborn is there for moms in crisis, offering free ultrasounds and the gospel in action. At just 11 weeks old, these twins cried out for life through ultrasound. Preborn clinics are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in the USA, introducing moms to their preborn babies and helping them choose life. To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. In recent days, there's been a strategic realignment with potentially earth-shaking implications. Xi Jinping, the murderous dictator who leads the Chinese Communist Party, has effectively become the emperor of China. And Joe Biden has effectively become his most important vassal. These new roles were evident in even the highly selective renderings of the discussion during the two men's over three hours long virtual summit earlier this week. Xi was domineering and bullying. Biden was the supplicant and accommodating. Now, Emperor Xi has summoned the U.S. president to come to Beijing for next February's Olympics. If he attends what are properly described as the Genocide Games, it will rival Hitler's 1936 Berlin Olympiad for legitimating and emboldening freedom's foes. We have a treaty obligation to punish, not reward genocide. America and its president must stand up to Xi Jinping, not kowtow before him. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. And we are back. Fred sitting in for Sandy today. Going to go to our phones in just a second. You know, uh, we were talking with Gary Bauer just before the break about what's going on in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The jury there uh, going back into session for a third day. That's surprising a lot of folks, given the evidence that was presented at that trial against young uh, Rittenhouse. Uh, This morning on Fox and Friends, they talked with a conservative podcaster by the name of Jason Whitlock. And uh, this was his assessment of what's going on there. I want you to listen to it. Cut to. 
regardless of whatever verdict comes out of this trial, I think the mob has won and mob rule has won. The mob forced this trial and now the mob has taken the jury hostage, I believe mentally. There's so much fear in Kenosha that we're gonna have the rioting and looting and the violence and the arson that we just saw a year ago that it's going to repeat itself. If the prosecutors had done the right thing and never brought a case, you wouldn't have these now 12 jurors in the crosshair, sitting in Kenosha in fear, paralyzed, unable to reach a conclusion in this case. I, I think that podcaster, Jason Whitlock, uh, interesting comments there. And I say that because given what's happened over the last year, year and a half or so, we have seen these mob rule protests in Minneapolis and Seattle and Portland, Oregon. And now there are concerns. Obviously, last summer there was the riot there, the anti-police riot, and now the fear again. So mob rule. Uh, and you know what? You're not hearing much from the White House on this. In fact, uh, Jen Psaki, the White House spokesperson the other day, seemed to agree with the far, far left uh, that Rittenhouse is somehow a vigilante. And if you, again, if you know the facts about it, uh, he is from Illinois, but he's just 17 miles away from Kenosha. And he went to Kenosha that night because his dad lives there and because he wanted to protect businesses of a friend uh, that were being destroyed or severely damaged by these uh, rioters. So uh, there's a lot to this, folks, but it goes to the climate that we're having in this country right now. And uh, I, I believe it's very spiritual. Uh, it has spiritual roots in all of this. And we're seeing this play out in this country. And the question is, how are people going to respond as we get closer to election next year? But also even before that, uh, as we have school board elections and city council elections and county county elections uh that kind of thing and you heard gary and you've heard others people have to start to get involved and i think people are i think people are waking up to the importance of elections and not sitting back all right let's go to our phones let's go to first uh michigan uh this morning and linda's on the line good morning linda go ahead good morning um i appreciate you at afr i listen a lot um, and I just wanted to say I like Trump um, and I like Ron DeSantis. And uh, I wondered if you had any um, suggestions for um, Congress. Maybe somebody in Congress that knows the laws real well mm-hmm. would be a good president. Oh, I, I think there are uh, a bunch there. Uh, I like Jim Jordan, a member of Congress from Ohio. I think he's outspoken. I believe he's bold. I like Senators Hawley and Cotton. Uh, I think they've, they've been absolutely terrific uh, in speaking out on behalf of what I believe the vast majority of Americans where they are on all of these issues. So uh, to answer your question, I think there are members of Congress uh, who do extremely well. I think what uh, Ron DeSantis has going for him, obviously he's a governor right now. He has that executive experience and uh he is in a position now you know holly cotton and jim jordan uh do a great job when there are senate hearings when there are house hearings on all of these issues desantis has the advantage of being in power right now in florida in order to do things such as they did this week 
in bringing in laws to protect employees against vaccine mandates. So he can take it beyond the argument to actually implementing laws and demonstrating to the country as to what he would do if he was to become president. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. So uh, that's where we are. I think there are, are several good people out there that could give uh, Joe Biden, should he be running in 24, a run for his money. All right, Oklahoma, we say good morning to Wes. Go ahead, Wes. Yeah, good talk to you this morning. I'm sure Miss Sandy listen to every morning. Mm-hmm. She'll be back on Monday. All right, great. So I was thinking all the deplorables and the patriots and all those, we ought to get together and create our own caravan and go down to the border and handle what needs to be done. Yeah, well, we have states uh, like uh, like Texas that are trying to do that uh, the best they can uh, by by sending some some of the National Guard's people down there. Uh, you have people again uh, like Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, who has been speaking out about the plane loads of illegals that Joe Biden is allowing these illegals to be put on federal airplanes, and then shipped out around the country. You heard what uh, DeSantis had to say about those flights going into Jacksonville, Florida, like in the middle of the night, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. And uh, Governor DeSantis has said, hey, maybe what we'll do, we'll meet those airplanes and uh, we'll hire some buses and we'll take these people up to Delaware and see what uh, Joe Biden has to say about that. Uh, But the American public is becoming aware of the political agenda of the left and the consequences of that agenda. And uh, I think that's that's one of the reasons why you have so many Democrats that are announcing that they're not going to run next year because they feel it would be a waste of money. Uh, the way things are right now with the polls, uh, unless things change, and in politics things can change, um, that the Democrats realize that... Uh, People like Nancy Pelosi may not be around uh, after the 22 election next year. Good morning, Valerie in Virginia. How are you, Valerie? Good morning. Good morning, Fred. I appreciate you and Sandy both. I just wanted to say that I really appreciated also Gary Bauer's message that we need to stand Um, and just say, no, we're not going to comply. I work for a Virginia company that has over 100 employees, and uh, we were given a letter about the OSHA requirements. And then after that, the Fifth Circuit Court put a stay on that. And yet yesterday afternoon, I got another letter from my employer saying, "But, but we're to fill out a form as to our vaccine status. Well, I, I think what you should do, Valerie, is mm-hmm. take the uh, announcement yesterday from OSHA that it is ceasing all uh, initiatives on that front until after uh, the court has decided. So OSHA itself yesterday said it is ceasing all implementation of that uh, initial order from the president. So it might be an idea to take that to your human resources or your immediate supervisor, just so they're aware. A lot of people may not be aware of that. Yes, I plan to do exactly that. But um, it's real easy to just say, okay, I guess I'll just, what, leave my job or 
uh, comply with this? No, I don't think we should. I think we should take our stand. Oh, absolutely. And and that's why so many groups, and I've mentioned before, American Family Association is is one of those groups because we have more than 100 employees that has gone to court. And the Fifth Circuit so far is seeing it the way, and they've used very strong language already in those decisions against this, uh, including the term unconstitutional. Uh, so um, I'm fairly optimistic uh, that has this makes its way through the courts. Uh, OSHA does not have a great record of success when they try to do these kinds of things. And they've tried several times through the years. I think they've only won once. So we'll wait and see what happens. But I agree with you, Valerie, uh, that, um, you know, is what, what I'm more concerned about right now, honestly, and I have to mention this, is our military folks. They don't have as much leeway as those of us in the private sector to speak out. And now there are some challenges on behalf of military personnel. And uh, I, I think the Navy SEALs uh, are one group that are going to court over this. Uh, but we all have to fight this. Uh, it is it is a turning point in the nation, quite frankly. But uh, Valerie, uh, keep up the good fight where you are. And, and that's what we have to do at uh, our locations is educate sometimes our employers as to where the fight is right now. Mary in Texas, go ahead. Hi, Fred. Hi there. Uh, I just want to ask a question. Where were the Christians? Where were the pastors leading churches to, to keep our voice actually to maybe put it out there proud and loud like we should have done when all of these riots and burning down of cities burning down our police cars hurting people with those ice bottles where were where were we at the courthouse yesterday in Kenosha speaking our peace I guarantee you if if we would be out there when they're doing this, there weren't that many. There weren't that many of them. But they need to hear our voices every single time. Every single time they're doing this, there needs to be us Christians out there completely shooting down what they're saying they're going to do. Burn this and burn that. I'm sorry, Fred, but when are we going to speak up and do something? Not just keep talking about it on all these radio programs and watching it on the news as it's unfolding and unfolding. I guarantee you, if we showed them we didn't have fear, we're not scared of their voices anymore. We're not scared of their threats. And there's, good, there's more of us than them. That's what's sad. Mm-hmm. President Trump won this election. We know that. And yet, here we are. When are we going to stand up and fight? I mean... Yeah, Mary, I I think uh, there are a lot of people who agree with you, and there are people like we just had our guest Gary Bauer a few moments ago, and that is a call is for people to get involved. Uh, There's a call out there for people to run for offices. That's where you feel God is leading you to do, for school board, for city council, uh, whatever the case may be. Uh, But we need to be involved. Uh, Mary also mentioned uh, about uh, pastors, uh, now, there are some pastors that have the opinion that, uh, you know, we ought not to speak uh, politics from the pulpit, and uh, but then you have other pastors. I'm thinking of Jack Hibbs of, of uh, Cal- Calvary Chapel uh, in, in California, who is kind of the opposite of all of that, 
and uh, is saying that we need to be involved. In fact, I visited his church a couple of years ago, and he had six people coming in there that were running for office uh, in his county, uh, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. Uh, so you, you have both sides of the spectrum there. But and maybe, you know, a pastor doesn't feel comfortable getting into political issues uh, from the pulpit, uh, but at least we should be talking about it as members of churches with each other. Uh, we can't stay silent on issues such as abortion. We can't stay silent on that. Uh, we need to be talking about these vaccine mandates uh, because there are church members, uh, if this is allowed to proceed, that may lose their jobs over this, unjustifiably so. Uh, as we get further and further into this pandemic, what we're learning here is, and I was just reading a story the other day, uh, in, in places, Vermont in particular, which is the uh, has the highest vaccination rate in the country, the highest vaccination rate in the country, yet they're seeing a surge in COVID. Uh, a nursing home uh, in, I believe, I'm, I'm trying to think, I think it was Connecticut, it's somewhere in the uh, northeast coast there, uh, that of, of those who have come down with it, the vast, vast majority of them are vaccinated people. So, I mean, as we see the science in this, we have to say, stop. We can't just proceed with this. Let's follow the science with it, quite frankly, as we were told by Dr. Fauci and others early on. Let's follow the science on this and let that real science direct our public policy instead of some kind of clear political agenda. All right, been great to be with you. Lord willing, be back with you again tomorrow. But in the meantime, more great programming here on American Family Radio. We'll see you again real soon. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.